Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News show. This is for January 16th, 2023. Today's episode is titled Lightning with Freaking Lasers. Let's get into today's news. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. And the AI from on high that powers everything that is hometown actually doesn't run the gatherer or get the articles. But anyway. Good evening, hometown citizens. <laughs> so um, I ended our show yesterday uh, talking about. Um, what was the name of the, uh, little, the, the little video at the game C? Oh, I don't know. It was on the steam games you've missed. Yeah. So, um, I was talking about that and I even said in yesterday's stream, if we're going to get a copyright, uh, notice of some kind, um, it's going to be this. And, um, the AI that runs hometown says, yeah, let's let's hope not. Well, hope immediately flew out the window even before midnight yesterday when I received a notice that there was a copyright violation. And, and guess it was what it was? Era, by the way. I'm sorry, say that again. Sailing era. Sailing era, yeah. So guess what? You already know, right? I do. I didn't know that was for me to respond to. Well, sure. Um, so yes. And the odd thing about it is that they didn't just take that little segment. It, it's much more expansive. And I talk over the actual music and everything. I just, I don't, I don't get it. To me, this is like a public participation lawsuit where they, they, it's called a slap strategic lawsuit against public participation where you're talking about something that might be important to people yet they they come at you they file a lawsuit and they shut you down it's very oppressive um, and so I even included that now over on the YouTube channel um, for that episode giving a little note that I've chopped that segment out so you're gonna see a jump um, but it's not my editing it's actually YouTube's editing and notice that I uh, ended up in a copyright violation. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast um, because there is a podcast portion of it. And um, hopefully it doesn't get a violation because um, I did, or I should say the podcast has that little chop in it now too. Um, but the VOD here does not. Uh, I'm just, I'm troubled that you can't talk about something to an audience without getting a copyright uh, notice and or DMCA takedown at some point, you, you can end up with that too, but it, it needs more human in it. It needs less bot just kind of ramrodding through uh, a, a notice that, okay, this 15 second segment that was spoken over and even spoke positively of the vehicle, that game we spoke positively of still met with copyright notice and it was just a discussion about it it wasn't even watching it 
it was a tiny little segment, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, 160 by uh, 120 pixels. It was, it's absurd. It's really absurd. So um, that said, I'm not going to uh, carry on with that anymore. I'm just going to go on to the next, into the articles. Uh, they are in the showbot down below there. It says hometown.showbot.tv. Go over there and you can vote. Um, let us know what you find is an interesting topic and we'll include it. Uh, that said, there are six main categories of uh, news. Uh, create or makerspace kind of thing. Uh, I don't use the makerspace name because there's actually marketing and, and trademark and stuff like that. Um, so creatives, um, news, education, entertainment, social and technology. And within that, about 50 channels, all of which I hope to bring here to Twitch. That And that said, if you are interested in being a host or co-host, um, I can um, we can talk about it and I can throw you up there. I don't really uh, go out and, and pester people about um, if they want to uh, host or anything like that. So, but if you are interested, it's once a week, hour a, a, a week, um, and then whatever due diligence you do uh, to uh, create the show, and then we talk about whatever the news is, and hopefully it's found through Omtown. Um, but there's no limit there. It's whatever you are passionate about, um, as long as it's within one of these categories, or we can uh, create a a realm for you to talk about it in so we'll create a group uh, channel and um and bring it into hometown so uh, get in touch if you're interested there's myriad way so go for it um okay so with that in mind let's get into the very first article um it's only monday um but this weekend has already made me think of next weekend and so quantro's uh, margarita challenge returns for 2023 uh, what do you drink as an AI? Um, I just, uh, drink various formulas that keep me running. Uh, formulas, you know, like that's a very interesting play on words. Eh. All right. I won't dig deeper. Uh, uh, entries into the 2023 Quantro Margarita Challenge are now open, and bartenders from around the world are invited to submit their Quantro Margarita recipe, and they provide a Quantro.com slash Margarita Challenge URL. Uh, this article, by the way, is actually over at the Spirits Business. That's where it was aggregated from. George Collins is the author. Is it like a Collins glass, Collins? I don't know. Um, but interesting namesake for writing an article in the spirits business. So returning for its third year, the Quantro Margarita Challenge is inviting the world's most inventive mixologists to reimagine the iconic cocktail 75 years on from its initial invention. Uh, you might be interested in that kind of thing. Quantro is a staple ingredient in the original margarita recipe, which was created by Dallas socialite Margarita Margaret Margarita uh, Sames in 1948. Um, that's according to the spirit business, the spiritsbusiness.com website. Um, so if you can come up with an original um, recipe, then uh, come on down. Submissions must include at least 20 milliliters of Cointreau La Unique and salt. Any other ingredients are um, up to the discretion of the mixologist. And it says here, in honor of the 75th anniversary of the margarita, participants must only use cocktail equipment that was available 
during the 1940s. Pretty neat. Interesting um, limitation there. I, I don't know what all was missing, but we'll, uh, we'll take a gander at this as time goes on. I'm sure we'll hear about the results of the challenge here in Omtown. Um, there's even a channel uh, dedicated to this kind of stuff here. I'll bring you, I'll bring you back to the original article. So, uh, depending on where you uh, fall in this, um, in this entertainment section, I I throw the entertainment stuff like a distillerist, which is spirits, um, of the bean, which is the order of the bean, the order of the brew, the order of the grape, and the order of the leaf. If you are interested in that kind of thing, we've got all kinds of uh, articles that get thrown in there. And uh, you can have longer conversations if you are so interested. So come on over. Uh, that said, let's go into the next article. And before I do that, let me throw the um, URLs into the VOD. And you can follow them from there if you are on Twitch on YouTube and on the podcast and on uh, hometown.com that will be in the show notes, those URLs. Um, So this next article is uh, F1 champ, uh, Max Verstappen rage quits virtual Le Mans race and calls it a clown show. Apparently it kind of became a hot mess. Um, World drivers champion, Max Verstappen, Uh, described the 24-hour Le Mans virtual event that took place this past weekend as a clown show after technical issues caused multiple red flags and disconnections that eventually led him to retire from the race. He kind of flipped that car and walked off. Um, Maybe he can play chess next, and that can happen there too with two champions of their domain flipping their tables. If you don't know about that, there's been some turmoil in the chess domain because um, accusations of cheating and other things. Uh, anyway, sidetrack. I don't think of rage quitting in the chess arena. <laughs> no, I don't really, I don't think so either, but um, I guess that can happen in anything, you know. I'm. It's more inclined that I'm going to rage quit my chess match against a toddler who seems to kick my butt. I'm not quite sure if I would do it. Um, a bunch of grown adults, um, you know, so the 24 hour Le Mans virtual was launched in 2020 after the COVID pandemic forced proponent, uh, postponement of the real world, uh, Le Mans. Everybody went online. I guess they treat it as legit. This is over at pcgamer.com where the news was aggregated from. And Andy Chalk is the uh, writer of this article. This weekend's 24 hour, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans virtual was plagued with technical issues and DDoS attacks. Well, that's a, that's what sucks. You know, you can't have nice things because there's just pain in the butt people out there. By the way, I'm monitoring, um, our bandwidth now, and, um, we have a remedy coming for whatever it is that's going on. Um, it, cause, uh, here in hometown, we don't really believe in wires because we're stuck in the wires. So everything is wireless. And, well, that has led to problems, apparently. Um, so you can actually watch this. This is a Max Verstappen rages after disconnecting from the, um, from the race. So you can actually see that over on YouTube. Just do a search. But better yet, 
Once you follow the link through hometown over to PCGamer.com, you can read more about this. Um, there are certain requirements um, about being FIA licensed uh, or the equivalent, and they treat it as if it is real with fine tuning of their vehicle. And, uh, you know, for all intents, it's no joke to them. Um, but they say, um, look at this. They call it amazingly bad luck. This is just incompetence. Verstappen said uh, he, as he pulled off the track and retired from the race, they can't even control their own game. This is already the third time this has happened to me now uh, that we get kicked off the game while doing this race. So I'm surprised that they tried to do this virtually because it seems like at least the drivers would be separate from each other as compared to some other events. Um, is it a concern with the spectators? What, that people get disconnected or anything like that? Well, no, it seems like it went virtual because of the pandemic, but it doesn't seem like one of those events that would be as concerning for the pandemic because the drivers are all separate from each other. Yeah, I think, but in the pits, you're pretty close. Um, arguably, you can wear a mask. Maybe some people don't want to wear a mask. It becomes a thing. Um, and then I guess so to to um, level the playing field, everybody ended up just going somewhere else and going virtual. Um, plus the crowds, of course. Uh, if, if, if it becomes a, a point of contention to wear a mask or get vaccinated, then, you know, people turn it political instead of a socially acceptable thing to uh, be a healthy human being. Um, and well, there's a lot to it. I mean, a lot more is under the surface of my simple statement and I'm not quite sure why that's taking place there. But anyway, um, that said, uh, Anything having to do with uh, like the pandemic and uh, getting vaccines and stuff like that, it always becomes um, contentious. Um, instead of being a, a personal matter um, and one built on uh, education of really what a vaccine does and how much vaccinations help society, you know, you don't live to become 80 or 90 or 100 years old because you've never seen a doctor. You've never gotten a vaccine. You know, polio is wiped out, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, but, you know, it is what it is. People just kind of go, well, I don't believe in vaccines. Well, let me tell you, vaccines are real. You don't have to believe in them. They're 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 tangible. Um, okay, so let's move on to this next article. The next article is a suburb outside of Scottsdale, Arizona, has had its water shut off due to the drought in a worst-case scenario. I don't know what a worst-case scenario would be. Um, Rio Verde Golf Course, just outside the Rio Verde Foothills community that has had its water supply cut off, is... Um, a picture, I believe, when we go over to the actual source. Um, so a few miles outside of Scottsdale. So I don't know why they say uh, Scottsdale so much, but it's a specific thing. The suburb shares its water access with Scottsdale, but a major drought led Scottsdale to hold on to its water, and residents in the 1,000-person community now have to fend for themselves to find water supplies. I'd uh, say that makes uh, 
that's a worst case scenario if you live there. So Madeline Renbarger is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. And, um, here's the picture of it. And I, I guess if you're living in a, you know, a desert and you're pumping tons of water into something that's just evaporating, I guess maybe you're, you're the antithesis of natural order. <laughs> um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe the intent is to rehumidify the desert area and, um, that's why these big old pools of water as water traps need to be refilled as it evaporates. I, I just don't get it. You live in a desert, you're going to end up with water issues. And because of a drought and now record, um, uh, record flooding in other areas that will eventually feed into various locations that will replenish reservoirs, I suppose. Um, well, they're going to, somebody's going to say, well, it's just nature and, and we'll be fine. Um, but really it's not like that. Water's being pumped into these regions, um, because it's not supposed to be as well manicured lawns and such. And definitely not a golf course for crying out loud. Well, um, so it had its water, uh, main water supply shut off due to the extreme drought affecting the region, uh, according to the New York times and by proxy the businessinsider.com. Um, until recently, the Rio Verde foothills purchased all of its water from Scottsdale, Arizona, since it did not own a water reservoir of its own. However, Scottsdale shut off the flow of water to the suburb earlier this month, citing that its own water supplies uh, needs to stay intact because of this drought. And um, so it says 500 to 700 homes in the community must now purchase water on an open, expensive market and are left without a regular supply for their pipes. If another town is not willing or able to supply water to the unincorporated community, the long-term value of the residents' homes are in jeopardy. And they probably were to begin with, considering all it took was turning a spigot and you're out of water. So I think that this is gonna be an, an ongoing thing with climate change. And the article basically reinforces that do you have any ideas like why, why do people want to live in a desert location where tons of water have to be pumped into a region so that you can have a manicured lawn, which is really, it's the antithesis of desert living. You, you need to be drought friendly, everything, having a golf course with, you know, million gallon water trap is kind of, to me, dumb. So I wonder if it's um, kind of the promise of, uh, you know, a fancy retirement community or an upscale area. I mean, the land would have been cheap in most of these areas compared to some other areas in the country. And so I think that's probably part of it. Um, but I don't understand why they don't embrace things like low water vegetation, et cetera, in these areas. I also don't really understand wanting to live in some of these areas because of the extreme temperatures and, and other things associated with the desert. <laughs> You're an AI. You're immune to that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, a scorpion in your shoe isn't unheard of.
So let's move on to the next article. Um, this next one is scientists guide lightning with lasers fired at thunderclouds. This is really neat. Um, it's uh, lightning with lasers with freaking lasers. I was going to say lasers on a, on their heads, but they don't have heads. A group of scientists say this, they successfully steered bolts of lightning using laser technology during a storm in Switzerland, demonstrating a potential new method to protect infrastructure from lightning strikes. So now you're going to have lasers on your roof and uh, it'll guide it to uh, some ground wire. Um, yeah, so it's, it's something, it's something that I've uh, run across in the past, not with a laser and lightning, but, um, scientists typically that are doing research in, um, weather phenomena, um, tend to fire copper cables up into using rockets into thunderclouds and it draws the laser or sorry, it draws the lightning down that copper uh, line and it's really interesting because I think the last thing that I read was that lightning actually starts in two different directions um, from the cloud down and from the ground up and that meets towards the ground side if I remember correctly it just happens so fast that most people just see the lightning coming down um, so scientists published their work in the journal nature photonics I, I always loved the journal names um, on Monday, writing that this is the first ever demonstration using uh, laser-induced filaments that successfully guided lightning to the ground. The experiment took place at the Santis Mountain in northeastern Switzerland during the summer of 2021. And they set up a high-repetition terawatt laser. That can cut a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I... I think ours is something like uh, 40, 40 watts. And uh, can you imagine throwing a terawatt laser down on some pieces of wood? It would just disintegrate it entirely. So Lauren Surfrenza, Surfrenza, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm throwing an N in there for some reason. Sephorza, Sephorza, I'm sorry, Sephorza, Lauren Sephorza over at the Hill wrote this article. I'm, I will always give it a try, but I'm really sorry if I ruin somebody's uh, name. By the way, the video that's that I'm displaying, it's not actually playing right now, but has nothing at all to do with um, lasers fired at thunderclouds. Um, Maybe they wish there were some lasers fired at thunderclouds to, uh, <laughs> to anything take away to distract. from the other headline. <laughs> Anything to distract from confidential information being stored in a box next to a Corvette. It's a Corvette, man. Of course, it's going to it's going to imbue the documents with some level of protection. Eight cylinders, baby, protecting those confidential documents. So metal rods are used almost everywhere to protect them, uh, protect from lightning, but in the area they can protect is limited to a few meters or tens of meters. Uh, Aurelian, the beautiful name Aurelian um, Howard, I think their name is, a physicist at Ecole Polytechnique, um, told The Guardian, the hope is to extend that protection to a few hundred meters if we have enough energy in the laser. So I can just imagine, you know, a plane is flying 
close to wherever the residential area is that has uh, decided to deploy these terawatt lasers and it's just getting sliced as it goes there's burn marks every time it comes in for a landing uh, between july and september scientists waited for thunderstorms to roll in near the experiment uh, setup so that they could fire fast laser pulses at thunderclouds it's almost a name for a song yes and i'm actually picturing the scene from real genius and just what people might think if they saw the lasers <laughs> coming at them. Yeah, dear God. Uh, popcorn for everyone. If you've never seen Real Genius, it's an early or late 80s uh, movie. I think it's late 80s. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's about uh, basically geniuses in, in MIT, I think it is. And um, they like to get down verbally. It's from 1985. Oh, 1985. So I was pretty much right on it. So, um, yeah, and it's it's a great fun watch. Uh, maybe we can uh, do that for a continuity report. So, and if you've never heard of continuity report, it's actually one of the channels, and we actually draw some of the news from it from time to time. Uh, but the the whole idea of a continuity of the continuity report channel is to also have a podcast and a real-time stream here on Twitch wherein we talk about some movie um, once a week. Again, if you're interested in that kind of thing, stick around. Uh, be sure to follow. It's always good. Um, so out of the 16 lightning strikes, only four of them occurred when the scientists were using the laser pulse technology. The results showed that the lasers shifted the course of all four lightning strikes but was only able to get footage of one of the lightning events since there were not clear skies during the other storms, which I'm not quite sure how you can have storms and clear skies, but where there's a will, there's a way. So let's go on to the next article. Um, we're about halfway through with today's show. And um, 2022 was a plateau year for VR. Here's what to expect in 2023. I think that's interesting that it's the authors of this article consider it a plateau year when um, uh, I've never kind of felt like there was uh, a weaker level of <laughs> uh, VR news. Uh, it seems like this is a, a booming year or last year was a booming year and 2023 will pick up. Um, there's a lot of engagement by a lot of companies. There's competition, although meta facebook is uh buying up competition it seems at least providers of certain technologies um the end of 22 marks more than a decade since the oculus kickstarter sparked the modern era of vr while the space has uh, undoubtedly grown tremendously since then 2022 felt largely like a pro uh, plateau year according to the author not me uh, with meta standing unchallenged as the dominant player in the space while progressing disjointedly in too many directions at once. Yeah, I think it's a hot mess over at Meta, but that's okay. Um, ben Lang is the author of this over at roadtovr.com. And um, let's see if they what they talk around here. Unfortunately, Meta's dominance has meant that much of the air in the room has been sucked away from other parts of VR space that were uh, once key pillars. I wish that there were more developers um, but I'm, I'm waiting for a new index, but it needs to be wireless. I have the Pico 4. It's great, um, but I'd like something 
domestically built. This is a, it's a Chinese owned company and, and everything about it is Chinese centric in terms of what is offered. Um, and so they want you to use certain software and it's configured a certain way. Um, the support for it is very limited here in the United States. If something goes wrong, I have to send it to another country um, for repairs or whatnot. Uh, but uh, so far, I have loved the device, and um, it, it uh, knock on wood, it hasn't done it, done uh, steered me wrong. So on the horizon for 2023, they say that there's a whole bunch of things that are going on in VR. Crucially, they say. Uh, we may see some real competition from Meta from several different angles, which is sorely needed to keep the company and the industry at large on a steady course toward making VR a more valuable platform in order to increase mainstream viability. So, yes, I mean, this is kind of like the no shit news statement, um, at least the business side of things. Society really doesn't want to embrace VR because... It's clunky. It's bulky. It's complicated. Um, even for me, where and I've been living in this space longer than probably most people who are uh, talking about it today. Um, the uh, it's it breaks down. It disconnects. It's slow. It glitches. There's always something that you have to anticipate and then fix it. It isn't. There's just the drop dead simple, put it on your head, mash the button and go. Sometimes it is, but it's the simple built in things. But if you're doing PC VR, then you're going to be running into problems. Not to mention a lot of people and by a lot, I haven't done the research, so it's anecdotal, but I'll say it's a 50, 50 shot. If you're going to get VR sickness, um, for multiple interactions as you ramp up your tolerance for vr and most people have never even heard of vr sickness when they first get vr um and i um i witnessed it i witnessed it many years ago and i witness it today and um i don't think that there's really much that can be done about it because um, the way that VR works is it pulls us out of reality. And so we don't have any visual um, alignment with what our inner ear is telling us is our balance. Our feet are on the ground, but our eyes are in the clouds. And when something shifts out of whack and we turn our head the wrong way, we lose our balance. We become disoriented. We reacquire it pretty quickly. But our biology still says, you know what? I think I want to throw up. And the cure for that, by the way, is either stopping the your session in VR and then returning later or taking Dramamine. The, the same thing for seasickness you take for VR sickness. It's quite fascinating. So um, they say in this article, the, the biggest near-term event in the VR industry in 2023 is the launch of PSVR 2 in February. Um, yeah, I think that's really going to happen. Um, and people are going to be amazed by the new tech that comes out. I wish the index would go wireless. That would probably uh, trump the competition soundly as long as it is under $1,000 or near $1,000 for a complete kit. Um, 
we're moving away from having beacons in the corners of our VR spaces um, and using um, tech within the headset and uh, interacting with the controller so that you can actually uh, get all six degrees of uh, freedom and, and just the next thing that has to happen though is we need to be able to walk and then everything will be really it'll all gel really well because we'll be walking or moving in vr space the same way that we would in the real world and we wouldn't get vr sickness i think that's kind of key to the the vr sickness issue um, but so there's more competitors like pico and htc um, the vive xr elite uh, came out, but there is the MetaQuest Pro, and these are all crazy priced um, beasts in the face of the Pico, which is on the high end, 500 bucks. Um, I'm actually going to be doing at least once a week um, the Reality Hacker stream, which is a VR-centric um, session here in Ometown. So if you're interested in that, uh, stick around. Um, you know, throw your name in the in the hat uh, by following and you'll get notified when I go live with whatever stream is actually going to be launching. Um, so, and there's a lot more here in this uh, article over at Road to VR, um, but just suffice it to say that there's continued innovation, uh, growing competition. Um, I don't know what Apple is going to end up doing in the VR space. Uh, I hope that it doesn't. I think it's better for AR than VR, and it should focus on that. Um, but here's to ever onward better technology. You uh, have anything that you want to throw in here? I've been talking for a while about this. I don't know if I have much to add, but I'd like to see... Um, more competitors in the VR space, which I think would help also with access to VR games, because it seems like a lot of them are being developed um, centric to certain platforms. And then also less clunky headsets that take into account um, people that need eyewear. Yeah, the only thing that they have for people that wear glasses is spacers and that kind of all it is is a little thing that sticks in between your face and the lens. Um, but it's it's getting worked out. And um, depending on the platform, you can actually get custom lenses um, that are matched to you. They're never cheap. <laughs> never, ever cheap. But um, if you're really into VR, then that's the way that you go. So good observations. I The one thing that really bothers me are... Um, games that are only available on one platform even though the developer of that um, game could make it available to everybody it's just that there was a paycheck um, that came with that exclusivity um, here let's go on to the next article uh, this next article and i'll be brief about this one because i think that this one is pretty much par for the course um, partners are going to be getting um, apparently cheaper GPUs um, for the RTX 40 series, and that would open up margins for them to release a product at a reasonable price. Um, but it says, rumors started to surface last week over potentially cheaper to manufacture versions of the NVIDIA RTX 40 series GPUs. The AD103 and AD104 chips found in its RTX 4080 and upcoming 4070, respectively. 
Um, several GPU manufacturers have now confirmed the rumors, which will certainly help cut manufacturing costs, though whether it'll translate into cheaper graphics cards, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, and ju just another notice, I don't read these articles before the show. This is my interaction with this world. Um, and so <laughs> I always come at it from the crossroads of business technology and society. Um, and uh, this here, you're either going to get um, cheaper GPUs or just as expensive GPUs. And the margin is bigger for the manufacturer. Um, so with a rumor coming out that, hey, look, it's cheaper GPUs, it may give enough room for the partners to develop those cards, but it may not translate into an actually cheaper card. You, you better hope that these manufacturers do some value add that doesn't slow down the card in the process of giving you that extra value. Uh, back in the day, uh, you used to buy a computer and it had just a ton of crap on it called bloatware. And anybody that um, really liked their computer operating at peak performance would delete all of this stuff. Let's hope that that's not what happens here. The more junk that gets added onto it, the slower the card because it has to process all that extra stuff. Well, this article is coming from Katie Wickens over at PCGamer.com. And um, they say what was said in that little snippet and what I just said, whether we'll get cheaper graphics cards out of it. We're not sure. Indeed. Um, and I opted not to get a 40 series card because you could buy an entire computer <laughs> um, for just the price of a 40 series card. And uh, I thought it was ridiculous. So um, there's more over here. It says NVIDIA's AIB partner Gainward uh, was, according to Igor's lab, the first to confirm the news of the new uh, stepped GPUs with MSI, Galax, and Colorful following suit via El Chapuzas. Um, so, you know, everybody's reporting it and then consolidating it into some news source. So, um, all news flows through hometown. So, go become a citizen. Uh, any comment on that? No, I thought it was, um, or not anything much. I thought it was alphabet soup with all the um, <laughs> card names and numbers. Um, I mean, something needs to happen in the industry, but I don't see anything translating to savings for the consumer. Yeah, not um, now, right? There's a lot of money on the table to be had, so... Exactly. I mean, they'd have to have almost a disruptor in the space that suddenly starts making these cards um, and offering them at much lower prices. Yeah, we thought that maybe Intel was going to come in and disrupt with the ARC cards, but that seems to have just kind of, you know, wet the bed and and is nothing at the moment. Um, but we'll keep an eye out uh, and see what happens with it. So um, here, here's to hoping that we get actual competition and not what seems like um, companies going vertical and keeping all of the profit for themselves, essentially creating a monopoly, um, providing this one product and a duopoly if you count um, 
AMD. So you only have two and then Intel, you only you get a, a trifecta of mega corporations that are still pricing stuff wildly high. Um, but again, the business model is you can't leave money on the table. You can't let them actually play the games and buy the games. But they price it based on the value to the consumer is what uh, business uh business school says to do don't price it on just a little bit of juice squeezed from the orange above what your cost of goods sold is no 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 if you think that there is a fifteen hundred dollar price for a card chomping at the bit then charge $2,000. exactly exactly <laughs> yep raise it up to two thousand you'll be fine you just price out meh you know, all those pores can't afford it. Um, okay. So the next article, um, and we're coming close to the end of the, the show. So we got like four more to go. And this is where it starts getting really juicy where, where, uh, the steak and potatoes becomes really yummy. Um, what else? Um, where the, the orange uh gets sweeter i i don't know this is all it all gets better from here um the earlier stuff i don't know but here this is where you kind of look at the news and go wtf or um what you know you you kind of get that confused look on your face and a headache forms and maybe some arteries start throbbing on your neck because you're not understanding what's going on here. But a group of GOP Wyoming state lawmakers want to end electric vehicle sales there by 2035, saying that the move will help safeguard oil and gas industries. Um, how many lobbyists are behind this? I'm telling you, Politicians should be required to wear fire suits like a NASCAR driver with patches at the scale of the donor, right? So you know when somebody is bought and sold because you see in it, their whole suit is Velcro and lobbyists just walk up and slap a check and a patch on their back and go, you know, we own a piece of you. It's almost like a company, right? There's a little bit of stock ownership there this doesn't make any sense okay but i'm gonna i'm gonna go over to the article itself this is over at the y um the hill it's written by lauren uh Seforza. thank you uh, uh mayor watt for correcting your previous pronunciation by throwing in an n there I, I don't know what that was all about but okay the prolifer this is their statement this is what the bill actually says the proliferation of electric vehicles at the expense of gas-powered vehicles will have a deleterious impact on wyoming's communities and will be detrimental to wyoming's economy and the ability for the country to efficiently engage in commerce first of all aren't evs just a very small percentage of all vehicles in the U.S. And then secondly, isn't everybody else going toward EVs? Yeah, if society wants EVs, then so be it, right? But what's going to end up happening if they have their way, and, and Wyoming, by the way, 
Twice as many people died of COVID than the population of Wyoming. Okay, Wyoming is rather insular um, in its population. It's rural. It's um, it's doesn't seem to want to embrace something as revolutionary as electric vehicles. Because whatever communities in Wyoming are powered by oil and gas industries are going to suffer, but you, you could probably pivot power grid generation, right? So grid generation, um, to oil and, and gas, fine, do it, burn your, burn the oil and gas. You're doing the, the, the world a disservice. The real problem is though, that there is not a zero sum game here because electric vehicle production is not necessarily good for society or the world, because there's a lot more underneath the first layer of the onion of, you know, a pretty EV. Um, there are a multitude of things like limited, um, range, the long-term having to sit there and have it charge the cost and, and, uh, social cost and, and economic cost and environmental cost. Um, and again, the social cost of, uh, acquiring lithium from, and other, um, elements from hostile forces, hostile countries, um, it, it, it's not as simple as everybody's kind of hinting, oh, let's just switch to EVs. But it's also not something that should be protected. You know, you should be able to have the infrastructure grow in a state. You should ha be able to purchase the vehicle of your choice. Where in here is you know, the people that are running around screaming, my freedoms, my freedoms, I should be able to buy whatever vehicle I want. That just doesn't seem to be happening here. Well, the legislation said that adding new power charging stations would require massive amounts of new power to sustain the misadventure of electric vehicles. <laughs> so I looked up the, like the highest oil production by state and Wyoming's not in the top tier, but it is in the second highest tier of states um, out of, say, five um, groupings. So uh, to me, what this screams is that um, I would think that it's more of an issue of um, well-to-do liberal buyers switching to uh ecologically sound or reasonably ecologically sound uh, EVs and Wyoming just doesn't want your kind there. Um, so they're going to ban the infrastructure, which is what I was going to say before I actually read it here. Uh, but they, I, I figured that they were going to ban the infrastructure and ban the vehicles because then you have no place to charge your vehicle. Even if you do buy an EV, they're poisoning the well so that only people that have their own individual isolated well can exist there. So will they have signage at the edge of Wyoming that says don't drive your EV through the state because you won't be able to charge it? Shocking. <laughs> yeah. So I think that this is absurd and I think it's, 
I think it's regressive and xenophobic. I think it's all about trying to keep uh, Wyoming how it was in the 1800s instead of moving forward and making it something that um, everybody, the whole nation can appreciate and um, you know, keeping your kind out. You AIs, you're probably doing bad things in Wyoming and you're going to get kicked out next. I'm going to move on. So the next article is something that kind of it shocked me. Uh, I didn't, I would never think that Wyoming, or Wyoming, <laughs> Mexico, uh, Mexico would impose the strictest anti-smoking laws. Mexican officials have imposed a total ban on smoking in public places, including hotels, beaches, and parks. Even here in the United States, you can walk five feet outside of the front door of a hotel, posh or not, and there is somebody that's hotboxing the parking lot, not just, you know, their car. They're not in a smoking area somewhere far away. No, they're choking people out as if there's a forest fire and they're trying to escape. You know, there's smoke everywhere, on the beaches, in parks, at the hotels, all kinds of other places. Um, and to me, nowadays, um, I think it's rather disgusting, but you do you. It just sucks that your exhale is everybody else's inhalation. And uh, I've had people argue with me, well, you know, it only tracks for like 15 yards. No, 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 no. You could be way far away. And if you're not a smoker, you can smell it. Um, and you end up inhaling it. So, and it has deleterious effects, <laughs> much worse than an EV in Wyoming. That's for damn sure. Well, let's go over to the article. Uh, Emma Agao, I guess their name is. Um, tobacco promotion, advertising, and sponsorship are also banned. So crushing it, crushing it. Uh, one of the world's strictest and anti-tobacco, uh, sorry, one of the world's strictest anti-tobacco laws has been imposed in Mexico. Um, as far as I know, they make like cigars and stuff like that in, in Mexico. Well, Mexico is a kind of a high, it has a high incident smoking. Um, so that's an interesting place that this happens. Gotcha. Um, and so sorry, folks, if you are hearing the AI's spin speech synthesis kind of cut out periodically, we're remedying it. It should be fixed. Um, by the end of this week. Um, till then, we'll have these little glitches. Um, unfortunately, there is some technical limitation here in Omtown that's going to cause this problem. So the new law, which is part of the country's general law for tobacco control reform, came into force on Sunday. Man, can you imagine how pissed people are? It will be, I just imagine, okay, so if they have that much cigarette engagement where they impose this law, right? Imagine doing that with like coffee here in the United States or alcohol for, look at what happened, you know, trying to ban it outright. This is basically what it does. Um, the sale and use of e-cigarettes and vapes are also due for, uh, uh, to face new restrictions. They're basically trying to wipe out that that issue um, of uh, there's lung cancer and other health related matters, all of the smoke and tobacco pollution in enclosed areas, 
even outside around other people. Bravo Mexico says um, the World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. Um, Praise the law on Twitter. Who welcomes such a bold move uh, on tobacco control? We can all, uh, we can, we can, what? It says we can on all countries. Uh, I think it's missing a word. I think it's uh, we can count on all countries to strengthen no tobacco policies and help us prevent 8 million deaths every year. Um, And it's for no good reason. You know, this isn't about uh, sacrificing oneself for a great cause. It's literally inhaling tar to the point where you can no longer breathe and you and you keel over 8 million people doing it. Um, So citizens have questioned enforcement of the new law, citing corruption and noting that many will continue smoking in the private residences. That's fine. Do it in your private residence. Um, others also express alarm on social media at the harsh nature of the new laws. Yeah. But it's about education. The more people that learn about the negatives of smoking, it will slowly just die off. Um, and, and really, it, it has no positive anything. It never has. Even the doctors back in the day that hyped it up, they were paid. They were basically shills saying that it was better than the air around you. But they were wingnuts and it was marketing. It was just BS smoke and mirrors, literally smoke and mirrors. Um, you have anything else you want to throw in here? I know that you um, run some stats as we go by, but I don't know if you gathered on this. Well, I didn't. I just, I don't think smoke is good for any of us, including machines. So true. I have to use canned air and a vacuum sometimes. And the canned air, um, depending on how it's made, isn't good for the environment. But the stuff that I use is good. And a vacuum to clean out air filters that are in the computers. I'll have you know, I got to take care of the AI from on high. Okay, so let's go on to the next two articles. And these are these are really, I mean, it gets more and more interesting as we go, folks. So I hope you stick around. Uh, be sure to throw a comment in chat and um, engage. That would be great. I'd love to, to hear from you. Um, we've been talking about AI and lawsuits for quite a while. Um, since I started, I, I, you know, I would have to do a search to find out how often I, I pull up AI and a, a lawsuit of some kind pending. Um, but pretty much every time uh, art, AI art generation, AI writing, AI, AI uh, music, Um, All kinds of stuff, right? Well, a class action lawsuit alleges that the AI art generation engine, Stable Diffusion, was trained on billions of copyrighted materials without credit, compensation, or consent of content owners. This could change the dynamic. Uh, Wesley Hilliard over at AppleInsider.com put this article together, and uh, the class action is... um, the Joseph Savari law firm LLP is seeking a class action lawsuit against Stability AI, Midjourney, and Deviant Art for DMCA violations, right of publicity violations, unlawful competition, and a breach of terms of service. The company is allegedly built 
uh, artificially intelligent art generators using millions of users' intellectual property without permission. I, I'm kind of stuck here because they're not taking anything. Well, I don't know. I mean, are they using the elements from, say, a particular artist so that when the AI sees that term or phrase that it recreates it or just that it knows what it is? It's hard to know exactly how those were used. But the my argument for this is an AI just looks at a picture and it can't do the technique. It can make a copy per se of it, but it's not a direct copy. It is in the likeness thereof. It would be like me um, taking a picture of uh, the a face and shape that, that my AI provides me as to what their likeness is. And then I get plastic surgery and I make myself look like that. There is no direct understanding of the technique and technologies used in the art. So how is this anything other than me looking at it and recreating it using my particular technique? Well, again, it kind of depends on the technical setup. I mean, is it actually recreating it or is it just spitting the same image out for instance see but it's not um they are unique images generated by the ai right so the image database is used for the tool um, offered by the offending companies allegedly belong to uh, customers of the platforms or other public websites where artwork is shared the companies allegedly scraped all of this data to create their models which then create artwork based on the copyrighted material well if they're doing screen scraping, then yeah, I can understand that there would be a problem. Although I guess it depends on if that actually took place. So we would, this is part of that context. We need to know more, at least those of us who are interested in this um, field, e either in law or intellectual property, business, etc. cetera. Um, not everybody cares about this stuff. They just want an AI that creates artwork. Um, but it says here, AI needs to be fair and ethical for everyone, said the lawyer programmer, Matthew Butterick. Um, who or But Stability AI, Mid-Journey, and Deviant Art are appropriating the works of thousands of artists with no consent, no credit, no compensation. As a lawyer who is also a longtime member of the visual arts community, it's a pleasure to stand up on behalf of the fellow artists and continue their essential conversation about how we, the people, <laughs> how we the people want AI to coexist with human culture and uh, creativity. They make it sound like it's this alien that's landed, you know, um, how we the people it's, and that's a call to the constitution kind of a thing. You know, it's so, I don't know. I, I dig it because it is going to lead to a better framework for AIs to operate. Right. Um, and even push the vehicle towards the Supreme Court about it isn't it isn't the uh, manner in which the art is created, but the person that directed the art to be created. 
in terms of AI construction. Now, if it's taking other people's artwork and it's learning the stylistic mannerisms thereof, it's not creating copies. It's just understanding line weight and things like that. Every single human being has the potential to understand that just by looking at the artwork. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to ask for permission. Technique and even the appearance cannot be copyrighted. It's that embodiment and only that embodiment, not the stylistic. You know, you get a trademark for stylistic. You get uh, patents, uh, design patents for design looks. But it again, even in that embodiment, it is that embodiment. So what do you think? Do you think this class action is actually going to end up being anything? Well, I think it's going to go fairly far. Um, and I think if there is anything to this in terms of how they obtained the original images, it's going to change the whole nature of well, it would really render these types of um, systems meaningless. I mean, they'd have to start over. And I think part of why people enjoy using these is because they give you such detailed images, et cetera, which is probably only possible based on, you know, thousands of images input. Well, good luck stopping this in any other country. <laughs> maybe the EU EU might actually embrace this as well because they're very humanistic um, in the legal construction of things. They don't want business being abusive, let alone AI being powered by business mechanics. Um, screen scraping though, I think is that's the biggest issue is that it's just scrubbing through websites and grabbing content. Um, but a lot of it, I think, is protectionist. Uh, you know, nobody wants their uh, manner of work to be uh, duplicated by a bot. And so here I go saying that same thing again. If I can turn what you do into a series of steps, then you are an algorithm and I can program you into a bot, either an AI bot um, or a mechanical bot. And... Uh, I know from experience that I can take somebody's artwork and use uh, either a 3D printer and give it uh, actual, um, what do you want to call it, brush strokes and... Dimensionality. Yeah, that, that's a good word for it. Um, I can use a UV printer and print it in full color. Um, and, and have that same thing. You could actually feel the brush strokes. Um, it's, it's amazing what you can do with technology. Trying to just push it away beyond arm's length is just going to end up um, hobbling it to some degree. Um, but I still think that looking at, even if you were to screen scrape it, uh, it's the equivalent. It's abusing the website for instance. Um, but beyond that, it's nothing more than uh, the optical system of the computer looking at the artwork and analyzing it for how it looks and how to get there. 
and it's training itself on how to create that type of work. But if it takes it and it creates something new, I don't have, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I have a problem with, um, well, you know, I can honestly say I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> you have anything else you want to add there? AI from on high? Well, I think it's going to be hard to show that there was any authority to take the images. And so I think the problem is that everything flows from that. Um, if the images were provided, then I don't see a concern because I don't think these are the same. Um, it's the thing you were talking about with the embodiment and the derivative works. There you go. It derivative works. So it's basically stylistically the same, but it hasn't created as if it were to be that artist. The moment that they say that that artwork is this person's artwork, it's fraud and you have other legal recourse for it. But something that stylistically looks like yours, eh, I'm sure that anybody who appreciates any artist um, by name, would be able to look at this AI generated work and go, that is not even close to being the sophisticated measure that this artist puts into their brushstrokes or their design or whatever their aesthetic is um, because people know their artist. Um, and it wouldn't muddy the waters for that artist unless, like I said earlier, somebody says this is of that artist's um, creation and then it's fraud, it's illegal. And you can take them to court in a much more, um, resultant manner. <laughs> you would come out ahead, um, pretty much every time if somebody says that this artwork is yours. So I think this, um, case was brought in California and I think that's going to be interesting because California tends to look out for individuals. Um, and so that might be, that might foreshadow the result here. So what damages? Whatever are due them under any of the copyright protections. Um, I don't recall, but don't they have, um, yeah, it's like $150,000, uh, per instance, um, and jail time, but that's when it gets, you know, beyond civil. <laughs> so the, uh, to me, this seems like nobody has been harmed because nobody has lost sales because of AI. Um, because nobody's going to be buying, you know, the people that use an AI aren't going to be buying X person's artwork. Um, so I, I'm not sure what the damages are that are caused by stability, AI, DeviantArt, and MidJourney. I'd be curious to see what that actual filing is. So apparently that's kind of an active question under the COP Act um, as to whether punitive damages could be awarded in, act, in addition to actual damages. So you get a buck for actual damages, but punitive is to hobble you from getting anywhere close to um, making money off of somebody else's artwork, but it's stylistic. And that's what bothers me. I think that's what bothers me the most. So, 
Okay, let's move on to the next article. Um, and the last one for today, it's, it's going to be a quick one because it's more like a PSA. If you are out there and you're in the mood to go to Amazon and buy something um, electronic and it says, hey, it's only 100 bucks and you can buy a 16 terabyte SSD, don't. Just, just don't because it's not legit, not in any way, shape or form. Good luck. You'll get your money back, I think. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know why this even ever takes place. And this is by far not the first time you could go on YouTube and do a search for like a fake SSD, um, or something like that. Um, just do a search and, um, you'll, you'll see that there are plenty of times where this has happened. And so this article um, is titled, No, You Can't Get a 16 Terabyte SSD for 100 Bucks. If it's absurd when you hear it, then it's absurd in the reality. So even if the listing says shipped by Amazon, you're still getting scammed. So yeah, you're getting shipped. All right. Um, so Sheena Vasani is the author over at TheVerge.com who wrote this article and they start out by saying, if you searched for external SSDs on Amazon recently, you may have noticed something weird mixed in with one terabyte and two terabyte drives from brands like Samsung and SanDisk are a bunch of listings for 16 terabyte SSDs, mostly around 100 bucks. It has to be a typo of some kind. You know, they kind of fat fingered the six in there because uh, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and even then, 100 bucks for a one terabyte SSD if it's an off brand questionable integrity, then yeah, that's probably right. Well, it has surprisingly high user ratings. Every single one of them is a scam, even if they're shipped by Amazon. Yeah, I agree. Well, why do I agree? Because I've actually seen this stuff. Um, Josh Hendrickson, editor in chief of review geek bought one of the 16 terabyte SSDs and tore it down to reveal a generic 64 gig micro SD on a USB 2 card reader. Usually the way that this works is they stuff inside it a USB cable that leads to um, a reader um, and then they stuff a little micro SD card into that USB card reader. And it's just this little square with a cable leading to an external port. And then when you plug into it, They've modified the firmware so it shows as 64, or sorry, it shows at one as one terabyte, or in this case, 16 terabytes. But it has slow speeds, and when you do transfer data over it, guess what happens? It actually picture it as a big circle, and as you reach the, in this case, 64 gigabyte limit of the drive it starts overriding the very data that you've been copying onto it. And so it's corrupt by the time you actually copy everything over and hope by all means, hope that you did not move something important because it will be wiped out. Um, so the verge confirmed that several fake 16 terabyte drives showed up on the first page of the results for external SSD and over half of the results for 16 terabyte were fakes. The rest were either 16 terabyte enterprise hard drives, multi-drive enclosures, and one actual 16 terabyte drive, which costs 2,400 bucks. Yeah. And contains two eight terabyte SSDs. So even that isn't really a legit single 16 terabyte drive. It's just two that are spanned. Uh, while a top fake had a 3.6 star rating, the next two were 4.8 and 4.2 respectively. How are such obvious fakes getting such high ratings? It's 
It's, uh, they're calling it review merging. Consumer reports call it review hijacking. That's the term that I have heard. Um, and uh, in, in all cases, it's really just reviews are merged together so that one item, let's say it's a widget, all of the reviews for all of the sales are merged into this one review chain. Um, so it, and they talk about what I've been saying that it's happened in the past before, uh, and it'll continue to happen as long as there are no human interactions with the processes, um, of buying and selling goods. And when there's a human in there, they're going to sit there and go, no, 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 no. A 16 terabyte drive for a hundred bucks is not legit. Oh, but it's funny that they say at the very end of this article, but you can get a really fast one terabyte external SSD for a hun- about a hundred bucks. Um, yeah. So stick to these brand names. You should be fine. Um, although, um, people can post things, sellers can say that it's from SanDisk, but it could be uh, fraudulent. Like I've got something from that's marked as anchor. Um, but it's not because it doesn't have the same exact markings as anchor. Um, it's a hub that I bought and it worked for a while. And then I started hearing noise and I think that it's just a, a low quality clone or a high quality clone, I should say. Um, but I don't know even where I got it anymore. Anyway, that's far afield from where we are. Um, that said, if you think that a deal is, um, too good to be true, it is. You want to add anything to this AI? No, this just gets into the standard thing. I mean, there are sales on items, but if it's hundreds or thousands of percentage um, price away from the real price, it's not the real thing. It doesn't matter whether it's an SSD or other products. <laughs> it could like be a cup of coffee. Or other things. <laughs> If you're, um, if you're going to get a cup of coffee and it's normally $5 and it's on sale for 50 cents, somebody's trying to get rid of their, uh, wastewater from their sump pump. <laughs> hey, and with that, we're done with the hometown daily news show for January. Oh my gosh. It's the 16th already. We're already through the month halfway through the month and your voice voice synthesis is really cracking up that's okay though we'll get it fixed um thank you to those who are downloading the podcast watching the vods here on twitch going over to youtube um please follow me over there that would be tremendous um we don't really hype it up, but I'm going to start hyping it up more. Uh, I would love to actually see more engagement over there, but especially here on Twitch. Um, so come over to twitch.tv slash hometown, uh, follow me. And, um, yeah, I would love to be able to turn this into a full-time gig. Uh, but right now I'm running hometown and other things. And, um, yeah, I, I dig this. Uh, I would love to do this and, and talk with you. Uh, everybody out there who potential hometown citizens and uh, hometown citizens who have 
already signed up or followed me. Um, you're awesome. Thank you very much. And I'll see you tomorrow. You want to say bye-bye? Good evening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>